0: Amen. Amen. How many of you ready for this message this morning? You know, I missed you last week. Uh, We had the beautiful privilege of being out. And uh, I know some folks, I just want to address it right off because I know some folks are like, Pastor, you're out again? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm out again. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what my boss told me. He said, Pastor Melissa said, no, God's my boss. And, and he said, uh, this is a time to draw close to your family, draw close to your son specifically. And I tell him, I'm, saying, I'm doing this for you. That's what God asked me to do, so I'm doing it. And you know, it's interesting because God's brought to mind and brought to light. Um, ben, do you mind putting the time up there for me? Uh, thank you. That way I know how long I have on each story. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, He's shown me other pastors that, that some I know and some I don't know, um, but some have been in the ministry 20 years, some have been longer. I've been in 20 years, and, and um, some are having to take an entire year off for sabbatical because of burnout. Others are having trouble in their marriage. Others are having trouble with their children, and and I don't say that to impress you. I say it to impress upon you that... What I'm talking about here today, it doesn't just apply to you. It applies to, to me first. Um, And, you know, I don't think it does any good to just run till the wheels fall off. I think it's important to take the time, and I think it's it's quite more effective to be able to take the time when God says take the time, recharge, so you don't have to experience all of that. I'm way more productive when I get, when, I'm, when when mama's happy at home, I'm way more productive when my children are, are good. I'm way more productive when I'm good. And some say, well, man, it must be nice. I say, yeah, it's real nice living in God's blessing. You should try it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, what, what I want to share with you is, uh, um, you know, God is good. God is good. And Today, I want to talk to you about really striving to, to do things God's way. I've been, I've been learning this for quite some time now, and at first, I, I've functioned on, on one level, and, and I'm really trying to function on the highest level, and the highest level is a spiritual level, a level where God is your director, and God is the one who sets the tone, and God's the one who determines the purpose, and, and God's the one that brings the fulfillment. And I want to, our, our whole focus, our whole series is entitled Fulfillment. Now, we're going to hit that at the end, but we're going to build towards it. And this is what I want you to see. I want you to see that, that many of us, we instinctively and intuitively, and, and, and maybe if we've, even if we haven't really thought about it, we want to be at that level. Why? Because God put it in our hearts to desire it. But if we don't think about it, too much, then we tried to get at that level using earthly means. But what if what if what if here won't get you there? I just want you to think about that. Have you ever heard someone say, Well, I want to head, I want to go to New York, I want but but this road won't get you there? So we have to make we have to make a shift in our in our thinking. And today I, I wanna I wanna introduce that shift. I want to introduce that because one of the most powerful things that God has given us is our mind, our ability to determine, our ability to know him, our ability to choose. God didn't make us robots or a program, he gave us a free will so that we might enter into relationship with him. One of my my favorite theologians, and I call him a theologian, is C.S. Lewis. How many of you have ever read any of C.S. Lewis' stuff? I'll, I'll, I'll be kind of using some of his material kind of around about when I, when I get to the end and I talk about joy. He says one of the things that, he, he writes a brilliant little book called Surprised by Joy. Surprised by joy because joy is something unique to, to, to humans. And God put it there so that we might be able to experience him real joy. Now, now, this is the thing. C.S. Lewis says, you cannot force love. You cannot coerce it, manipulate it. The minute you try to do that, it becomes something other than love. The only thing you can do with love is allow it to choose. I, I think that's brilliant because th- this is why you can't say, you're going to marry me. Some have tried, right? This is why you have to say, will you marry me? And you've gotta be willing to give that person a choice. And and so when we're talking about the mind, I want you to think about this mind has an ability to determine or what I call focus. Focus is so important. How many of you know that focus will determine your destiny? Well, watch with me. It, It starts with your focus. Your focus will lead to your decisions. Your decisions will lead to your direction, remember? Will this road get you there? Your direction will lead to your destiny. You say, okay, so it all starts with my focus? Yeah, because your focus, the Apostle Paul puts it best, I think, in Philippians chapter three. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this. That means I've not already arrived. I haven't gotten to that ultimate level. I'm walking, I'm on a journey, I'm headed there. Watch what he says. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. So the the, the fact that he uses the word goal is indicating he has a focus. Watch this. He's being purposeful about it. But I press on to, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. Listen to the wisdom of that. He doesn't do many things. He doesn't go out and say, I'm going to try to master all. You know, to, what, is the, what is the saying? Uh, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. You know, I'm not going to try to do everything. No, I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to focus on the most important thing that I have found in life to do. And I'm going to do it with a passion. I'm going to be hyper-focused about, about obtaining and achieving and experiencing. Now watch this. But this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Meaning I am pursuing God. I'm pursuing him with all my heart. That means moment by moment, I take account and I focus on what decisions I'm making. Because watch, your decisions will determine your direction, will determine your destiny. What decisions? When? In the moment. You can't decide for the future. The only thing you can decide on, you can can decide on what you're going to decide in the future, but that's in the present. Everything takes place in the present. So how long is a moment? Keith, how long is a moment? Is it a second? Is it a millisecond? Is it a a, a minute? Is it 15 minutes? Is it an hour? Is it it, how, How about this? How long did it take for you to propose? How long did it take for you to get married? How long did it take for you to be baptized? How long did it take for your son or daughter to be born? How long did it take for those special moments in your life to elapse? I don't know. Sometimes it's a millisecond. Sometimes it's longer. Sometimes, how long did it take for your life? See, life is but a moment. See, the uh, uh, the moment is not determined so much by time but by occasion. How long did it take for that special something or that circumstance or situation to elapse? That's what we're talking about here. Moment by moment. That means you start in the short run, focusing and taking responsibility for your decisions So, because your decisions will ultimately lead to your achievement, will lead to you. But, but the truth is we focus on all the wrong things, do we not? We get distracted so easily. I mean, listen, most people are more focused on who's divorcing who in the celebrity realms than, 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 on, than on achieving, being the best husband or wife they can be, being the best mother they can be, being the be- come on. Most of us are more focused on who, which celebrity is getting in and out of rehab. Right? Some of us are more focused on Facebook and keeping up with the Joneses and and, and noticing who's doing what and -and so-and-so just did this and -and so-and-so just did that. Can you believe this and can you believe that? And we're focused on keeping up with the Kardashians and we're focused on all the wrong things. And then we wonder why our life is not headed in the... Come on now. I'm trying to help you if you let me. I'm trying to help you if you let me. We focus on the wrong things, but the focus of our of our life will direct and determine our destiny. And so today I want to share with you that, that God has given us some beautiful gifts, not only a mind, but he's also given us some resources. He's given us truth. He's given us time. He's given us talent. He's given us treasure. Now I put him in that order for a very specific reason. The most important thing you have is, is, your, is the truth that God has entrusted to you. What do you mean truth? truth makes it possible for you to have faith. And without faith, the book of Hebrews says this, without faith, it is impossible for you to know and please God. That means your faith will make it possible to have a relationship with God. And it it starts with truth. That means you receive the truth, you hear it, right? Truth comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. That means the truth is heard, and then you can either decide, you decide whether you believe it or you don't. And when you believe it and you stand on that truth, see, some of us are believing all the wrong things. Come on, let's just be honest, and it affects who we are. Do you believe that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Or do you constantly self-doubt? Or do you constantly distract yourself with negativity and fear and anxiety and worry? And you say, Pastor, I don't worry. I just, I just, I don't worry about myself. I, I, I worry about my kids. Can I show you how that's selfish in, in a roundabout way? You worry you haven't done enough for your kids. You're worried that somehow you won't be able to protect them. But can I tell you, we are so limited in this regard. That's why God says, trust me with it. Trust me. Give me, put me on the throne. Let me handle your problems. Let me direct your life. Let me be in charge. But for that, you're going to have to receive my truth and stand on it in faith. Are you going to believe that God said openly, for I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I don't want to harm you. I want to bless you. I love you. Are you constantly listening to that negativity, that voice of the enemy, that, that, that something in the background that might come from the way you were raised, from the, way you, from the decisions you've made? Because you say, well, pastor, you know decisions create our destiny. And right now, I'm where I'm at based on my decisions. But is that good enough for you or do you want to change? Because if you want to change, you can, but you've got to take hold of God's truth. The most valuable thing He gave you is truth. And He speaks a love letter to you in this beautiful 66 book uh, 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 called The Bible. And it tells you who you are and how much He loves you. It tells you who you are, that you are forgiven, that you are loved that you are and have the opportunity to be the righteousness of Christ, that means no more shame, no more fear, but instead to have a relationship with him. He also gives you time. We talked about time through the focus discussion. He gives you talent. Come on, some of us have amazing talents, but we're too focused on other people's talents, and why didn't I have that, and why I would rather be able to sing? What if all I focused on is being able to sing and I never get to preach because I never mind the talent of my speaking ability? Come on, there was a time when that's all I focused on. I wanted to be a singer. Can you imagine me as a singer? I would make a, I mean, it would be horrible. Josh, the concerts would be like crazy. You know why? Because I'd be preaching halfway through. I'll never forget, my grandpa tried to be a singer, and this is what he would do. He would come up and sing a special, because back then we would sing specials in the Baptist church, and he would come up to sing a special, and it was a five stanza song, and he would preach in between each stanza. And it wasn't his church, it was my dad's church. And then at the end, he would say, okay, now we're going to make an invitation, and that was it. It was the singing, the preaching, he took over the whole thing. So God said, watch this, the grandson's not going to be able to sing. So we will not even have to deal with that nonsense. He gets up there, he preaches, and he preaches, and that's it. But some of us are looking at other people's talents and we have our own, but we haven't mined them. What do you mean by mined them? That means you've got to get in the dirt. You've got to turn the dirt over. You've got to dig. You've got to search. You've got to sift. You've got to mine for it like you do for gold. And say, God, you have made me special and you have given me certain abilities, but I'm not going to know them unless I get after it. Oh, don't even get me going on that time thing again. We'll talk more about that later, but he gives you all of these resources so that you might enhance the most special thing here on earth, and that's relationships. Your relationships with your loved ones, your relationships, those intimate relationships with your, with your spouse, with your children, with your grandchildren, and the enemy, let me tell you, is going to do everything he can to destroy those relationships because when your relationships are bad, the direction of your life will suffer. Your happiness will suffer. Your experience will suffer. And, and why? When God has given us so many resources so that we might enhance and invest in our relationships. Relationships matter, but the most important relationship is that that one you have with God. You say, well, I don't, I don't really have a relationship with God. <laughs> then, then you, you see why I, what I'm trying to say. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of, in the book of Mark. Mark here is recording what's called the great commandment. A group of scholars come to Jesus and they say, Master, what is the greatest commandment in all the Bible? And this is what he says. How many of you wanna hear what he says? Yeah, he's saying this is the most important one. The most important one, Jesus answered or answered Jesus, is this, hear o Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God, how? With all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Can I, can I just summarize that for you? Love him with everything that makes you you and do it with a passion. I mean, can you imagine if you pursued your relationship, if you focused and your decisions were, Lord, I wanna have a passionate relationship with you, what would the direction of your life be? Where would you be today? you say, Pastor, but I've already used up so much of my life. What else are you waiting for? Can I tell you, one of the most powerful things that a, that a human can experience is to live like they were dying. Play the Tim McGraw song, please. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Isn't that true? You know, I love songs and I put songs in all my messages, but I, have, I don't have enough time. So I'm going to sing it for you. I just told you I don't sing. (laughs) Listen, Tim McGraw writes a beautiful song talking about what? I wish everyone had the opportunity to live like they were dying. Why? Because so many times we sit back and wait when actually every single moment, every single day, every single occasion is an opportunity to grab life, to live it, to be passionate about it, to look into your wife's eyes, men, and to say, God, I'm blessed to be with you, to look at your children, to hug them up and say, this is the most important thing, because at the end of my life, I'm not going to sit on my deathbed and say, man, I should have made more money. Man, I should have worked harder. I should have built a bigger business. I'm going to say, I should have spent more time with you guys, because at the end of the day, it's about relationships, and listen to what he says, love the Lord your God, the most important relationship with everything else, because that relationship will determine every other relationship. Now, watch this. God says this. He says, if you don't, if you don't love God, then you don't understand his forgiveness. And when you don't understand his forgiveness, you won't be able to give it to others, He's saying, when you get this right, then this falls into place. Watch the second commandment. The second commandment is this. Love your neighbor. Love everyone else in your life. Love those that are hard to love as you would love yourself. Love them with a passion. See, true fulfillment, true growth, true, true living is, is summed up in two words you go, well, you got a list of two words up there. I'll put them up there in a second. You want to grow and give. What do you mean grow and give? You want to grow in your relationship and then help others. Give. Give what you've received. Isn't that what the Bible says? Freely I have received, now freely I give. That means I have been so blessed, which leads to the next one. The closer you get to God, the more you grow in your relationship with God, the more gratitude you feel. Do you realize the less gratitude, if you're right here struggling with gratitude and you're like, man, I just have a nasty attitude, but people with nasty attitudes don't really say that about themselves. They justify their nasty attitude. So turn to your neighbor right now and say, do I have a nasty attitude? And they'll tell you the truth give them permission to tell you the truth. See, because the, the, the nasty attitude will be this. You know what? You're, you're always running around moping, aggravated, angry at the world, comparing yourself to others, competing with others, being envious. And not only that, but you can start to feel like God owes you. That's called covetousness. Thou shalt not covet against fellow man and God. Do you know now shall not covet is inverting love the Lord your God with all your heart? Because when you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and and you love him passionately, then you trust him. And you're like, God, I'm content. Wherever you determine I should be, why? Because you're the manufacturer, and if I want to live at the highest level possible, then I need to consult the manufacturer's what? Owner's manual. I need to see, God, what did you... The Chevy truck doesn't come off the assembly line talking about, well, I'm going to be this and I'm going to do that and I'm no, it does what the manufacturer, come on now. So what I'm trying to tell you here is this, I'm trying to share with you with all my heart that gratitude indicates, watch this, It's it's a barometer of what's going on between you and God. Paul is closest point to God. He says, I have learned to be content. God, I'm just grateful. When you give me a ton, I'm grateful. When, when I don't have anything, I'm grateful because this stuff doesn't get me there. You get me go. Come on. You get me there. So, 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 so it leads to generosity. Isn't that what Jesus says? You can't outgive God. The more you give, the more he gives you. As a matter of fact, there's a cool little story because some of us, though, have trouble with this because you say, Pastor, I'll be generous when I have more, but God is saying if you're faithful with the little and you learn how to give with the little, then I'll give you more. But if all you ever see is the bottom, then all you'll ever see is the bottom. This is what I mean by that. There was a widow in the Old Testament, and all she had was at the very bottom of her jar, one last bit of oil and bread, I mean, and flour to make one cake, and she was going to make it and, and lay down, prepare to die. They were in a famine in the land, and there, was no more, there were no more resources, meaning she looked into that jar, and all she saw was the bottom. Some of us look into our lives, and all we see is the bottom because we still have a poverty mindset. How many of us grew up poor? I grew up poor. I grew up with brothers and sisters. We depended on other people's kindness many times to clothe us. People would give us clothes. People would give us this and that. People would give us And I, and I, never, I, never, bo- I never bothered me, but, but, but I have to realize that, that, you know, God had to undo some things in me because I was always in a home where I kind of had to compete with my brothers and sisters. And we were always kind of like, well, how much did you get? How much did you get? Come on, anyone like that? Hey, mom, he got more. He got, she got more. He, no, can I tell you, in God's house, in God's house, there's not a scarcity mindset. Dad has more ice cream in the, in, in the fridge for you too. God, God has more Kool-Aid for you too. God has whatever you need. But this is our mindset. So many times we compare ourselves and we're not careful. Comparison will steal your joy. It'll steal your gratitude and it will steal your generosity and your ability to be generous. So so the prophet comes up to this widow and says, I need you to make me a cake and give it to me first. Now, if she had had a poor mindset, she would have said, all I have is enough for one cake. You're going to take it, dude. But as soon as she prepared that cake and gave it to him, there was more. And they kept eating, and there was more. And they kept eating, and there was more. So God was trying to introduce her that when you give and you're generous, I will keep flowing the blessing through you. Because that's God's desire. You say, okay, pastor, so so I'm supposed to mature and multiply. Yeah. Yeah, you want to make disciples. You want to mature, you want to multiply, you want to think of others. Listen to what Paul says to the Philippians again. Let nothing be done out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for your own interests or needs, but also for the interests or needs of others. The reason I'm using the word needs is because other versions use the word needs. So I put it in there to give you the the full context. Don't just look after yourself is what Paul is saying. You have to learn, to, if you want the higher level of life, you've gotta be able to contribute and be generous. You gotta make a difference. Jesus put it this way, look, Now that you've received life, go out and share it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. We're talking about a mindset here. I'm going to ask him to play the beginning of the first video.
1: Your brain is like a circuit switch. Once you believe you are something, you actually embody it, you embody that feeling. If you were, God forbid, in a coma, and you woke up, and you didn't really have a memory, and you were told that you used to be a Navy SEAL, and they want you back now when you're healthy, Do you think you'd act differently and hold yourself differently, conduct yourself differently, and have a different self-concept of who you are than if you were told you were a piano instructor? Being successful in life is all about having the proper belief system in who you are. Truly believing that you are something unique, that you are something special in that field. If you truly believe inside of you that you are one of the best actors in the world, you will be entirely different than if you're like, I hope I'm good. Your expressions will be totally different. Your tone of voice. You'll talk in a more convincing fashion. You'll use your natural voice instead of a scripted one. You'll be more emphatic. You'll be more real, more relatable. Our brain is like a circuit. And so if we introduce it with the proper wiring, you're gonna go straight to your target. If you're unsure about who you are, Then your dreams, your goals, they will never become a reality. Everyone has mental doubts in life, internal conflicts, even the most successful people that you look up to, but they don't live there. It's how you handle those negative thoughts in that exact moment and overwhelm them with positive action, and that comes with this utmost confidence in yourself that you can handle the situation. Trust in yourself that you are better than the moment.
0: Brain is an amazing circuit. It's what you focus on. It's how you process those thoughts. It's what you do when the enemy comes and tempts you with negativity. How are you going to turn it around? It's in the moment. It's in that decision that you say, that's not who I am. I don't take that. This is how I see myself. I see myself the way God sees me. He sees me forgiven. He sees me special. He sees me saved. He sees me as his son. He sees me as a son. I see myself as the son of the most high God and a good father will not neglect his children So he's gonna provide for me, but how do I explain all that's happening? Well, God has said that even through the most difficult of circumstances He's building and fashioning and honing and refining something in me so that I might bring him more glory So God I get even more excited when I go through tough times because you are about to show up and show off and you're gonna invite me to be a part of it. You're gonna invite me to be a part of this epic thing that you've been doing through generation after generation after generation. And you have found that what I need is to be shaped and molded and fashioned. And so guess what, Lord, I must be You must have in mind a bright little diamond because you are putting a lot of pressure on me. Come on, can someone just say, Lord, thank you, God? See, that's why Paul says, in all circumstances, give thanks. In all situations, give thanks. Lord, I know you're in control. I may not understand it, but I will take responsibility for the truth. I do know that you have said you love me. You have said you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. So, God, I don't understand it, but I do understand you. You're a good God. You're a good God. So I'm going to stand, and, 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 and we have to be careful not to get distracted. See, distraction will change and shift our focus. And once that focus shifts, and we start feeling sorry for ourselves, and we start getting negative, and we start doubting, and we start having all of these things, it will change the way we make decisions. We'll make decisions out of fear, and that's different than making a decision out of confidence, isn't it? What happens when a team starts playing prevent defense? They always get scored on, always, why? Because they're playing not to lose instead of playing to win. It changes the way you make decisions. It will change your direction and it can change your destiny. I'm talking about, guys, we have to learn to get a handle on our emotions. We have to learn to keep our mindset. Isn't this what the Bible says over and over and over? Now you say, but pastor, we're more than just mind. Yes, we're spirit, mind, and body. Body, mind, and spirit. I realize that. But the reason I'm spending so much time on the mind today Is because the mind is a strong and powerful thing. Listen to what Jesus says. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So that the enemy, what? The enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, destroy. So that he won't be able to steal from you. Destroy your dreams. Kill your desires. So he won't be able to kill, destroy, and steal from you. Now watch this. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What is he saying? He's saying your spirit wants to, but your flesh Can can I turn it around for you? This is what he's saying. You want to in your spirit, but your flesh is stronger and it's dictating to you what you should do. It's dictating you should sleep. It's dictating that you should uh, avoid this hard situation. It's dictating all sorts of things. This is what Jesus is saying here. For years, you have been feeding your... Your your emotional state. How? Every time you see something, every time you perceive something, every time you touch something, every time you've been hurt, every time someone has hurt you, every time you've processed difficult things, you have been feeding your current situation and your flesh is strong. But I need you to get that emotional state under control so that it doesn't control the direction and ultimately the destiny of your life. That's what God is saying here. Overcome it by good decisions of praying, working through it. Truth is, we're easily distracted. That's why the Bible says over and over and over about getting a handle on our emotions. Better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control is better than one who can conquer a city. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, let that peace guard your hearts and your minds. Watch this. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things below, which are earthly. Watch this. The mind governed by the flesh leads to what? Why? Because the enemy will come and tempt you and steal from you. He'll manipulate you. How many of us have seen that? Our mindset can either lead to to blessings or not. But watch this. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So I'm talking about our dreams, our desires, our drives. Yeah, I've heard it, and I know that our emotional needs are very important. We have a need for love. We have a need for significance, security, wonder, progress, contribution. These are major needs for us. I get that. But can I tell you that if you're, if you're filtering it through a fleshly mindset and a hurt mindset and fear, then, then your need for love, you might overcompensate by trying to be significant in a worldly way and never truly obtain the satisfaction of the love you're searching for. Or a search for love will get will get twisted and you'll go out and give yourself to people who don't love you back. When God says, wait for the right one. Or a search for significance will have you striving and working and, 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 and clawing your way to the top only to find you're just as lonely at the top, if not more, than when you began. What am I saying? What I'm saying is this. Getting to handle our emotions is not just saying I'm going to be positive. I'm going to focus on these needs. I'm going to make sure that I have all of this taken care of. I'm going to achieve my goals moment by moment. I'm going to accomplish. I'm going to accomplish. I'm going to choose. Just like the Bible says in the book of Joshua, it says choose for yourselves this day. So every day I'm going to choose to be the best I can be. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. And you will experience a tremendous amount of skill in achieving if you can do this. And can I tell you, this is where I finished. Achievement is very important. To achieve financial independence, that's important. It can help you experience tremendous pleasure. Can I tell you that when you focus to be the best businessman you can be, you can become a great businesswoman, a great businessman, you can become a great business person, you can, you can do all sorts of things. When you take control of your time and you can be a great father, you can be all of these things and all of these things are great and they require skill. And so what I'm saying is start focusing on becoming good at it. That means the skill of achievement. Some say, well pastor, I want the skill of achievement because it brings satisfaction. That's that significance we all drive for. It brings progress. We all need to be progressing. It brings admiration, so in a a, a roundabout way, that's love, you know. It it, it brings wonder, you know, because I don't want to be static. I want to see greater and greater things. God has called that for us. It, It does all of these things. But, but, but it, it'll still leave you short. This is where we finish. Pay attention real close to me. Please, don't let me lose you in these last few minutes. This is where all comes to be. But I want you to think about what you're really thinking about. I want you to think about what you're really after because there are some people that have experienced some amazing skills at achievement. There are some businessmen that have, that have made more money than they will ever be able to spend in 10 lifetimes and yet miserable and completely empty. There are artists that have experienced amazing success in the music world, in the, in the, in the movie industry, in all of these industries experience amazing success in everything they set their minds to, they achieve in Academy Awards and Grammys and all of these things, and yet they drug themselves to death or they hang themselves and they do all sorts of things because they have something missing. So this is not all of it. There's one more, it's called the joy of fulfillment. That's that highest level I've been talking about. But I need you to really think about what you're doing. Because if you're not careful, you will get distracted. And you'll end up operating down here. And down here never gets you up there. Never does. I'm talking about the kind of fulfillment where you wake up every day and you say, God, thank you for life. I love you, Lord, and I get to do what you call me to do today. When I look at my children, I am filled with wonder. And and God, if I have one more day, I'm going to use it to the max. I'm going to set my priorities in a way, God, that will please you and help me to live at a higher level than I see other people living. Because at the end of my life, I want to know that I lived it. I lived it all out. So I'll finish this way. There's a little fishing village on the Caribbean, and it attracts all sorts of, all sorts of people. This particular fishing village is a, is a tourist destination for, for people from all around the world. And one particular time, there's this businessman, and he's standing there, and he watches uh, as he's having a cup of coffee on the dock, a little... Fishing uh, fisherman from the village come rowing his boat in. And he's rowing his boat in and he's got he's got some fish in there. And so the businessman approaches him and says, uh, sir, can I ask you, um, did you catch those? He said, oh yeah. I've been fishing all my life. I'm very good at it. He says, okay. Uh, how long were you out there? Oh, not, not too long. I, I get up, you know, I have, I have coffee. I make... I make uh, breakfast for my children and then I go and I, and I fish and, and I come back and, and, and I have enough for my family and I sell enough to pay my bills. And then I go home, I, I help my wife with the, with the house, I hug her, I tell her I love her, I take siesta, I get up, I go have a drink with my friends, I play guitar, we sing, we, we go to church, we have a good life. And then I come back and I fish again the next day. He says, no, no, you're doing it all wrong. Can I tell you, I have an MBA from one of the top schools in America and I've learned how to build huge businesses and this is what I would do. I would go out there and I would work from sunup to sundown and then let me set up the pricing with the market so that you can squeeze the most out of that market and then we're going to trade it in for a bigger fish and you're going to hire some some fishermen to fish with you. And the next thing you know, we're going to have a fleet of boats. And after we have a fleet of boats, then we're going to go to a bigger processor, a bigger market. And we're going to really squeeze them. And we're going to start dictating. And from there, I'll take you to, to, to New York and we'll start selling out the New York market. And we'll start selling the Los Angeles market and we'll start distributing. And we're going to go international and worldwide. And it's going to be amazing because someday you're going to be able to sell this company for a lot of money, and the fisherman's looking at him, very perplexed, and he says, and why? He goes, because then in about 20, 30 years, you'll be able to retire in a little fishing village and get up when you want to and cook breakfast for your family if they come down to visit you. And you'll be able to go fishing for a few hours and come back and help your wife around the house take siesta and get up and go with your friends and play guitar and sing and do it all over again. He said, in 30 years, no, I'm okay. Some of us need to ask ourselves, what are we doing? I love you foundation. This is what we finish. There's more to the skill of achievement. There's more than experiencing pleasure. There's what's called the joy of fulfillment. And don't get me wrong, being successful in where you're you're at helps, helps. But it doesn't get you there by itself. Only God can get you to the joy of fulfillment. Only God understanding that he's made you for so much more. He's made you to be a contributor. He's made you to take the gifts he's given you and use them to bless others. To take that truth he's given you and to and to stand on it and build on it and and to use it to shape your life. So you might be here today and you might be saying, "Pastor, I'm struggling." Because maybe I've made some decisions and with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to talk to you real quick. Maybe you've made some decisions that have had you lose some confidence. Maybe you're doubting now whether or not God loves you. Maybe you're dealing with shame or hurt. Maybe it's not that that, that significant. Maybe you're just at a point where you're just like, Pastor, I'm just kind of stuck and I don't have that passion that that I I sense you're talking about. But I do know this, I I do know that I I need to take control and and, and I make the first decision and that is I invite God into my life and I want to experience his grace. And, And Lord, I just want you to begin to reveal your truth to me and give me the strength to grab hold of it to rearrange and reorder my life because I know that moment by moment I'm building something. And I want to make sure I get there and I know the only way I can get there is with you. If I'm talking to you and you need some prayer, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Wow, I see hands going up. Couple more seconds. If you want prayer, just raise your hand. Nobody's watching, nobody's looking, just between you and God, and we'll pray together. Father, you see every hand, you see every heart. And Lord, we just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would, Father, just come into our lives and begin to shape, transform, rearrange what only you can do. Give us this godly perspective that's so important in reaching the joy of fulfillment. Lord, reveal your truth to me so that I may build on that and use that to guide me. Father, I pray that the enemy would no longer be able to run his game on me because you are greater still in my life. In Jesus' name, I invite you in and ask you to take control. Amen. I love you, Foundation. Have a great week.